Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Hey, bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. It heals all our diseases. Lord, while the world looks for answers, uh, to all kinds of problems. There's so, so much creativity and so, so many good efforts that are out there. Father, thank you for giving us your word, your answer. Father, we pray that you would do your good, strong work inside of each one of us. We need you today, and we pray that you would uh, answer our need with your word and that our ears would be able to hear what your spirit is saying to the church today. We love you, and we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, you can't look, you don't have to look before you see the challenges that are going on in the world uh, today. Um, There are problems on every single corner in every single place. Just yesterday, I read an article citing the CDC stating that teen suicides between the ages 15 to 19 have doubled in the last three years. Pretty breathtaking. I will never forget the season that we were in when we were doing truck to trunk. And we were placing, we were placing food into people's trunks uh, as COVID had happened. It was amazing. You guys were incredible. I mean, I want to say that we were putting groceries into the vehicles of some three or 4,000 families every single week here at Pathway Church. And if you're part of that season, it was incredible as, you know, airport campus and Moffitt campus, which were the only campuses we had at the time, the parking lots were jammed up. It was a logistical feat to move those cars in and out. How many of you remember those, that season? That was, that was something else. And, you know, I saw some things. I saw, I saw brand new luxury vehicles right next to cars that were held together with tape and bondo. The young and the old, it was everybody there. No, people, people were shut down from work, shut down from being able to get compensation. And it's like everybody was in the same boat all of a sudden. And I looked and I saw people were worried and they were afraid and they didn't know what was going on. We had, you know, multiple lines and and cars would swirl around and be directed. And the throughput of all the vehicles coming through was incredible. And then we had a line that you came out of after you received your groceries if you want, if you want a prayer. And we would stop and pray with you there. And I remember early on, I would walk between the rows of cars and, you know, I would wave. And if, if somebody rolled down their window and wanted to talk, I mean, listen, some people, do you remember windows rolled up, double, triple masked, wearing gloves and all kinds of... Right? And even still, you'll see people driving in cars wearing masks. I'm thinking, you're the only one in the car, you know. I mean, I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. But don't you remember those days? I'll never forget one day walking between cars. On one particular day, walking between cars, and there was a woman that was trying to get her trunk closed, and she was overly animated and having such a struggle with their trunk. And, and I just stopped and I said, can I help you with that? I, I was just talking about the trunk and she looked at me and just began to weep. And I found out that it, 
during that week, a direct family member had committed suicide. On that day, I met two families uh, in the lines out there that that week, their family had a direct family member, immediate family member, they had committed suicide. And I thought, you know, this sickness is one thing, but there's another thing that's coming and it's a mental health crisis. Just think about where we are, people, you know, not only then people were isolated from one another, but even though we're not on quarantine, we're still isolated from one another. Have you noticed everyone is surrounded by people and everyone is lonely? People are in their own space. So many of us don't even know our neighbors' names. People are agitated. People are frustrated, depressed, lonely. It's a, it's a challenging moment. I mean, this is a good moment that we're in. This is a good moment that we're in, but we have some new challenges that have been created by technology, um, by lack of boundaries with technology. Let me just pause just for a second. Mom, dad, get control on your kids, technology. Know what they're watching, know who they're texting. Um, Bring some control to that because there is a crisis that's, that's out there. And let me, let me tell you, you, th- you know, there are predators in this world and they're in your house. You understand what I'm saying? That technology comes into your house. It's the m- most direct access that human history has ever experienced. You can see anything. You can meet anyone. And I'm just saying, uh, do everything that you can to care for your kids, care for your family, because there's a crisis out there. People are uh, experimenting with all kinds of things today. Public schools and private schools are experimenting with our children in one of the greatest uh, experiments civilization has ever faced. And there is a payday, there is a payday coming. That payday is here, we're seeing it right now. And we have the greatest answer for it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We in Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have an answer for it. The only one who will satisfy is Jesus. Money won't satisfy, achievement won't satisfy, experiences won't satisfy, deciding what your identity won't satisfy. It's only when we come right up next to Jesus, that we lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ, will we find satisfaction in our life, joy in our life, peace. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. I'm not talking about 
success. I'm talking about substance. I'm talking about significance in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is nothing in this world that will replace the relationship that we were created for. We were designed to walk with God. We were separated by God from sin and Jesus came to reconcile us back. There is no message that will satisfy, that will meet the need that the human heart is craving other than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to take you to 2 Samuel chapter 18 today. While you're uh, turning over there, um, I just want to say I'm so thankful for all God is doing in our church. This week, uh, Kelly and I and some of the team, we were out with the Buy a Tree Change of Life pastors, came in from all over the uh, United States. We had a, a fantastic time and I'm watching the spirit of God working in our lives. We got a couple pictures. Kelly leads that and um, it's Kelly Carl Smalls, one of our great pastors in Kentucky, uh, getting an award. Incredible time of prayer with our pastors. And then here's one of my favorites is one of our site directors at a church in North Carolina. Uh, we all came together you know, we're helping kids in orphanages. It was a wonderful thing that we were able to participate in helping to fund the adoption of this beautiful little baby faith. And so isn't that awesome? Can we just give God a hand clap for that? Amen. Amen. And this is the thing about our faith and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the message of Jesus Christ. Is it, it doesn't just change how our heart feels, but it changes what's happening with our hands and our minds and our lives and so when we respond to the message of Jesus Christ, it shouldn't just help us to be well-adjusted, but it should help us to change the world. Second Samuel chapter 18, we see King David and Solomon, uh, King David and Absalom in a moment where there had been rebellion in the kingdom. Absalom, David's son, had rebelled against his father and, and took the helm of the, of the nation. You know, when we think of King David, we think of the lion and the bear and we think of Goliath and we think about how he could play music and how he was anointed by Samuel and we think about all the conquests he did. But during this time, did you know that David actually fled the city of David? And as he was going out, even the people, there were people that were walking with him, cursing him, mocking him as he left. An incredible king who was vanquished and not just vanquished by anybody, but by his own son. Now, let me tell you, David was still the rightful king, even though he was on the run. And he decided he was gonna fight even though it was his son. But you'll see at the beginning of 2 Samuel chapter 18, David musters all of his men together. You know, he brings men together after, uh, from a position of weakness. They, they didn't have the benefits of holding the city. They were having to retake the city. And so he brings them all together and he appoints generals. You know, he's, he's having to appoint generals because some of his generals had left him, turned on him. Have any of you had a betrayal like that before? It's pretty rough. So he brings him back together. He says, listen, we're going to retake this thing. And, and when you see Absalom, my son, you capture him alive. Capture him alive. You know, he's overthrown me. He's trying to kill me. But don't kill my son. 
And you saw, see the men coming together and one of, one of the generals, Joab there, you see them talking. And then, of course, we know the story of Absalom. He's, he's on the move. Absalom had long hair. And, you know, actually, I, I always had to keep short hair when I was a kid. My dad would say, look, even Absalom, you have long hair, you might get it caught in a tree, you know. And Absalom was on his horse and his hair gets caught in the tree. And some of David's men come upon this and he's hanging there. They didn't want to kill him. And then look at 2 Samuel chapter 18, and uh, this isn't in your notes. This won't be on the screen, but verse 14, Joab is watching everybody stare at Absalom. Here's what he says, enough of this nonsense. Then he took three daggers and plunged them into Absalom's heart as he dangled, still alive in the great tree. Ten of Joab's young armor bearers then surrounded Absalom and killed him. So here we have, we have um, Absalom who has rebelled against David and even David's own general that's fighting with him to help restore is still rebelling against David in how he dealt with Absalom. So people see it. People see it. Now in this day, there was no email, there was no cell phone, there was, there was no telegraph, there was no telephone, there was no instant communication. So the way you communicate is you had a messenger and the messengers would run with the message. And so I want to specifically point out a messenger this morning and we're gonna look to verse 19. The message is that Absalom has been killed. Now, for the kingdom that's wanting to be restored, this is great news because it means David will return to his rightful place. But let me tell you, for King David, this is terrifying news. It's one thing, it was one thing for him to lose his son who turned his heart on his father. It was another thing for him to lose his, his son's life. So verse 19, then Zadok, son of Ahimaaz, said, let me run to the king with the good news that the Lord has rescued him from his enemies. Uh, let me pause there just for a second because Zadok, son of Ahimaaz, though he's mentioned right after this, he did not see what happened to Absalom. He didn't see it. He didn't know. He just saw commotion. He just saw an event. You know, this week I was going across the bay um, in Mobile over to uh, Daphne. And I saw that there was some kind of commotion somewhere on the bayway or somewhere in the tunnel. It was something. I just know traffic was backed up and it wasn't normal. But I didn't see what happened. Zadok, son of Ahimaaz, he saw a thing and he knew it meant something and he was a runner, and so he wanted to take a message. Now, I propose to you today that there are a lot of people like this, messengers with no message. A lot of people in this culture, they, got, they want to say something, but they have nothing to say. Everyone is clamoring for, for a stage. Everyone is clamoring for a platform. Everyone has it delivered to them. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everybody's got it. We are blown up with people messaging zero content messages. 
I get in trouble every Sunday. I might as well get in trouble today. There are a lot of pulpits with preachers behind the pulpits that are preaching everything but the message they should be preaching. A good talk, an inspirational day, uh, you know, some saber rattling about whatever's going on. I mean, it's not going to do it. It's the, only the message of Jesus Christ is going to do it. In, in fact, I would say that there are a lot of churches that are not even churches. These are not even Christians anymore because we've developed a faith based on a man named Jesus that does not exist. That's not the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. Zadok, Zadok son of Ahimaaz, boy, he really wants to run, but he doesn't even know what he's running for. So he asks, no, Joab told him, it wouldn't be good news to the king that his son is dead. You can be my messenger another time, but not today. Then Joab said to a man from Ethiopia, now I just, I think that's the coolest thing that, because the greatest long-distance runners today, where are they from? Ethiopia. They say it's because elevation and everything. You're, you know, you go and train in like Denver or something like that. Your, your oxygen, blood oxygen saturation is different. That is, that's pretty cool to me. I'm going to get the runner from Ethiopia. Go tell the king what you have seen. The man bowed and ran off. What did he run off with? A message of what he had seen. But Ahimaaz continued to plead with Joab. Whatever happens, please let me go too. So this guy is already running. Ahimaaz, Zadok, son of Ahimaaz, is in there arguing. Say, please, Ahimaaz, please, let me go. Why should you go, my son? Joab replied. There will be no reward for your news. Yes, but let me go anyway, he begged. He liked to run so much, he wanted to go. Joab finally said, all right, go ahead. So Ahimaaz took the less demanding route by way of the plain and ran to Mahenim, ahead of the Ethiopian. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates of the town, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. So he looked, he saw a lone man running toward them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, if he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running toward them. He shouted down, here comes another one. The king replied, he will also have news. So this is worse than the 64K bod download speed of AOL when it first came out. Remember the dial tone, the buzzing sound, all that? This is a super slow email coming into the king. He said, the first man runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, the watchman said. So he had a particular leg kick. I mean, this guy was known for how many followers, I mean, for his speed, right? I mean, he was renowned among the people for the fact that he could get a message out, that he could, he could run and he could move. And, and 
I'm imagining he was like Hussein Bolt. He had that particular stride. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a certain height. You, rec- you didn't even have to see his face. It could be dark out. You could see a silhouette, but you could see by the way he glided along the ground. He didn't run fast. He flew low, you know, and said, this looks like a Himayaz, son of Zadok. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. King David's heart is way up here. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the king, everything is all right. He bowed before the king with his face to the ground and said, praise to the Lord your God who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against my Lord the king. What about young Absalom? The king replied. So I just want you to think about this for a second. The whole world is wanting the kingdom back. David just wants a son. This, this is how David was. This is one of the things that God loved about David. You know David had flaws, right? I mean, like major league flaws. But remember when David was confronted by Nathan the prophet because he had had an affair with Bathsheba and Bathsheba got pregnant and to cover it up, he brought Uriah the Hittite back and tried to get them to hook up while he's on vacation. Uriah the Hittite was such a good man, such a good general. He said, no, I, I, can't, I can't spend that kind of time with my wife while my men are on the front lines. Let me go on back. And so his plan didn't work. So David sends Uriah the Hittite out to the front and instructs all of his generals during the heat of the battle to withdraw and they left Uriah out there and David created the conditions that Uriah would be killed. Remember that? And Nathan tells a story about a man who take, a rich man who takes a poor man's lamb that was like a pet, and then he kills the lamb and prepares it for dinner. And David said, who is that man? Who, who would do this? And Nathan said, thou art the man. And what did David do? He said, forget my crown, forget my kingdom, forget my family, forget what people think. God, I have sinned against you. And David humbles himself to the Lord. So David, he valued leadership. He valued power. He valued authority. But at the end of the day, what he, he really valued God, which is why scripture describes David as a man after God's own heart. I think it's the same reason why he looked at it. Now he, he did some, with his family, he, he made some atrocious mistakes, some terrible mistakes that we almost cannot even speak about in this setting. But in this place, David even is saying the same thing. Forget about my crown. Forget about my kingdom. The whole country is looking for the kingdom, but I'm just looking for my son. Let let me just take a a sidestep here for a second. Listen, there are a lot of messages going on. I, I want you to ask, what about my son? What about my daughter? What are we going to do about our kids? What are, we, what are we going to do about the next generation? What are we going to do about the kids over at Strickland or MGM? What are we going to do about the kids in our neighborhood? I mean, at some point, are we going to say, we got to bring the message that will change their lives? I, I just want to tell you, I am focused. I, I feel more focused than ever. It matters to me what happens to the next generation. It matters. It matters. Listen, we're going to spend money on the next generation. We're going to spend time on the next generation. It's not the future of the church. 
They are the church right now. And if we don't get it right, we are one generation away from not being a part of what God is doing on this earth. And you look around right now, you can see churches that were once great churches in our community. That they are a shell, they're just a building. And oftentimes that building has been hijacked by some other group that was like a jelly-filled donut. They just, they got in on the inside and they took over. It looks like the same church. It's got the same name, but it is not the church of Jesus Christ. Something has happened. And lest we feel too good about ourselves and we look out at how everybody else isn't doing it right. Listen, I just want to say, bring it to your own house. What's happening in your life? Do you have a message that you can even run with? David says, what about the young Absalom? Is he all right? Him, I asked, replied, when Joab told me to come, there, there was a lot of commotion. Notice how his message changes there. When Joab told me, like you forgot that you asked Joab like five times after the Ethiopian world-class runner had already started heading this way. And you, uh, you, you knocked on his door until he finally said, fine, go ahead, run. Well, when Joab told me to come, there was a lot of commotion, but I, I don't know what was happening. Literally, a messenger with no message. Wait here, the king told him. So Ahimaaz stepped aside. He took that email and slid it over to the junk mail folder. Right there, just step aside. Then the man from Ethiopia arrived and said, I have good news for my Lord, the king. Today, the Lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you. What about young Absalom? The king demanded, is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, may all of your enemies, my Lord, the king, both, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. king was overcome with emotion. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. And as he went, he cried, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had, I had died instead of you, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. There ought to be more weeping in the church. There ought to be more weeping in the home over our sons and over our daughters. Listen, I, I pray you get in church like you ought to get in church. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not here to beat anybody up, okay? If I really wanted to get this message across, I'd preach it next week, and then I'd preach it the next week, and I'd preach it the next week. It may take me about four weeks to get this message to the church because all of us don't come to church every Sunday. And, and listen, I'm not talking about people who are working remotely and are traveling and, you know, overland truck drivers or you're on, on some oil rig somewhere. I, that's, not what, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, in the military station somewhere, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when we wake up in the mornings and say, you know, I, I feel like I'm just going to watch online today. P please, just, please, can I just talk honest with you? Can I just... 
I mean, can I just be a pastor here? You know, I'm a pastor, but I really just need to, I need to talk to your heart here. I just need you to listen to me. Get in the house of the Lord. Bring your family into the house of the Lord. When the doors are open, there's no more important place because there are messages being sent to your children, to your family, to your heart, to your husband, to your wife, every single moment of every single day. And we're going to compete with that by getting into the word of God one Sunday out of every four. Brothers and sisters, come in. There's a great message. There's a great word. There's, there's great food on this table that the Lord has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. And don't, don't worry about cursing the enemies. Come and dine, the master calleth. You know, come and dine. Come and have a seat and eat with me and, and let's fellowship with our Savior and fellowship with one another. I mean, there are lessons that I get from Jesus, but there are lessons I get from you as we sit and we commune with one another as we are in touch with Jesus. We're in touch with the word. We're moved upon by the Holy Spirit. We need the word of God and the message of Jesus today now more than ever before. Listen, I, I, I guess what I want to say is, aside from your personal well-being, your spiritual well-being, God has not called you to be a runner. God has called you to be a messenger of God's peace in a world that has lost its mind. Our world is off its rocker. Our, 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 our world is sending our kids straight to hell. Everything that the gospel gives, the world is against right now at this moment. We say, the world says, choose your identity. The word of God says, you identify with Jesus Christ, right? Uh, 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 the world says, do what makes you happy. And the gospel says, crucify your flesh. Take up your cross and follow me. We have got to get the message of the cross, the message of Jesus, and run in the power of the Holy Spirit with the only message that will change lives. It's not enough to have followers, to have influence, to have people watching us and liking us and wanting to be like us. No, they need to want to be like him. And when we walk, we have to carry that message. Peace in a world that's lost their mind, that we would be able to say there's a better way. There is a better way. Actually, there's only one way. Boy, it's offensive. I can make somebody mad. <clears throat> Listen, I can pray. I can pray. I can go to a public meeting and pray. I can go to a city meeting and pray. But you just wait until I pray in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, that, that's a trick. I'm triggered. I'm shook. God came to save all of us snowflakes. <laughs> we need Jesus. I just decided, you know, I'm not going to. One time I pray, Lord, I pray in the name of my Savior, Jesus, so I could personalize it. I said, forget that. I mean, I think it's good. I think it's faithful. I think that's honorable to the Lord. But man, I've started praying in every single place. Somebody asked me to pray. I'm praying in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ. It's the only message that a save and redeem. But pastor, it's offensive. The gospel is uh, an offense. It's an offense. Pastor, can't we skip over 
the challenging stuff. Listen, when we preach about sin, that's what lets us know that we need a savior. And if we skip the part about sin, then there's no need for a savior and people go on in their life not knowing they need to be saved. We got to run with the message. Now, here's what I would ask you. Why do you hesitate? Why do you hesitate to share the good news of Jesus? If we don't share, who will? Really, really quickly, let's go over to the book of Romans. And if you would go ahead and stand with me. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I think you only have verse 15 here on the screen today and in your notes. We'll just jump on back to 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. King David says, what about the young Absalom? Here's what I would say. What about the young man I met this last week at the Waffle House? What about the girl in my class who comes to school without anything for lunch? What about the server who was frustrated as she served? What about the man I cut off in the street. What about the people who saw me lose my temper? Listen, in a world that has lost its mind and in a world that's so loud, in a world that's so loud, one messenger of peace stands out so much. Is anyone thirsty? Offer him something to drink. Is someone hungry? Offer them something to eat. Is someone naked? Let's clothe them. Is someone in prison? Let's visit them. Is someone in the hospital? Let's care for them. Has someone forgotten who they were created to be? Let's show them Jesus. Please, Pathway Church, this job is too big for the pastors. The working of the Holy Spirit is not just for the pastors. Remember, when Jesus was crucified, the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies was torn in half. That means you have access, not only the high priest. And so if we have received this great gift, would you join me in running with a message? in a world that is in desperate need of the only message that saves, whose name is Jesus Christ, who said he came to set at liberty those who are captive, to bind up the brokenhearted and to declare the acceptable day of the Lord. Listen, today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day that we receive Jesus. Today is the day we walk in his power and we walk in his strength. And you know, let me tell you something. God chose you. 
God chose you. It's not enough for you to run. It's not enough for you just to have a church bumper sticker. It's not enough for you just to, you know, share some encouraging words. We have to bring Jesus. Our families need Jesus. Our schools need Jesus. Mobile and South Haven and Foley and West Mobile need Jesus. And God chose us. He chose you. He chose the little grandmother. You know, he he chose the widow. He chose the single mom. He chose the business owner. None of us are exempt. None of us are too good. None of us are too far gone. God has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. We have been selected and chosen by God, and he has empowered us with his Holy Spirit. So Pathway Church, we're runners, but we are messengers of the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap today. Is there anybody say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm going to flip the switch this week. I will be a messenger of Jesus Christ. It won't be business as usual, but I ask for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that would help me run with a message that changes lives. Would you just put your hand up all over this place? What a a beautiful and wonderful thing. Hey, reach over and and just join hands with the person next to you and, and or place a hand on their shoulder and let's all go to the Lord in prayer at all of our campuses right now. Father, we come to you. Come on, pray with me. Pray with me. You put words to your prayer. Amen. Father, right now we come to you thanking you and asking that you would empower us, Father, with a message in a world that is desperately in need of a Savior. Father, I pray that you would give us strength and an initiative, a boldness, Father, that that bypasses our politeness and bypasses our social propriety and our concern that maybe we're overstepping or we're not qualified. Lord, thank you that you didn't come for the qualified, but you qualified us through Jesus when you changed us, when you saved us. Father, I pray that you would anoint us as messengers of peace in a world that has lost its peace. And God, I pray that you would do mighty and incredible things. Lord, I pray for our schools right now. I pray for our young people, our high schoolers and our middle schoolers and our elementary schoolers. Father, make them the best evangelists that we have. Unafraid. Father, I pray that you would raise up every young man, young woman, every boy, every girl, Father, to know your name. But I pray even the greatest influencers in the school, the most popular, would find themselves laying their achievements at your feet. And Father, they would go out and influence they had collected for themselves, and they would give it all to you. Father, I pray that our student ministries, Father, would be filled by student athletes and the mathletes and the the educators, Father, and, and the kids from, the, you know, every single corner of the school, Father, they would be walking in your grace and your strength, and they would be compelling people, compelling their classmates to come in. Father, I pray they would not be ashamed of the gospel. I pray that everyone that's under the sound of my voice, Father, I pray that they would be bold and mighty in you. Father, we ask you, we ask you for our sons and daughters. For the young boy, Absalom. Father, that you would touch their hearts and lives and transform them. Father, you would drive us into your presence so that we would have fresh bread for them to eat. In the mighty strong name of Jesus, amen. Amen. 
We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.